Good morning. Uh, big welcome to our service here this morning at Forest Fold. Special welcome back to the young people and the leaders. We missed you last week. And uh, I got sent a couple of clips during the week of some great singing. So we're looking forward to having your singing voices back with us. And uh, thank you to the leaders as well who've put so much work into that time away. Lots to be thankful for, which we'll do in our time of prayer a bit later. Well, we look forward to camp uh, on Saturday, all being well, starting. Uh, lots of people busy getting ready for that. And uh, just a couple of things to uh, mention for you. In the foyer, there'll be some prayer letters for you to be able to take. Uh, really value people's prayer before and during that week. Uh, so they'll be there. Um, we need some help putting some tents up. See lots of strong young men coming in at the moment. And uh, we need some help on, on Friday at about 7 p.m. So um, if you can help out with that, perhaps let Luke or Leah or Mark know. Um, that would be good to have that done efficiently. And then just the catering for Sunday, we could do with some more salads, some more food. So if, if you're able to do that and willing, uh, please sign up on the notice on the notice board in the foyer too. Well, we're here chiefly to worship God together. We're going to do that through praying. We're going to do that through coming under the authority of God's word as we hear it read and preached. And we're here too to sing God's praises together and to sing truth to each other. And we're going to do that in our first hymn, our first song, O God, Beyond All Praising, we worship you today and sing the love amazing that songs cannot repay. Let's stand to sing. time of prayer now, and we're especially going to give thanks to God, so let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to meet together here as your people, and we have so much, Lord God, to thank you for. We praise you for your greatness, and thank you for your fatherly care over us. We thank you that you are the great creator You are the sovereign Lord and everything is held in your hands. So whether our tomorrows are filled with good or ill, we can rise to bless you still. Lord, whatever 
uh, frame of mind, whatever situations we have come from as we meet here this this morning in many different varieties of the joys and the sorrows of our lives. Give us grace and a love to you to rise above our sorrows and sadnesses and to rejoice in you. Help us like Job who said, blessed be the name of the Lord who had everything taken from him. Or who, like Habakkuk, where the place looks so bleak and the future looks so hopeless, and yet he said, I will rejoice in God because he's my strength. And so, Lord, we come and bring our worship to you today. We are the creatures, uh, finite mortals, and you are the great living God who has no end, who had no beginning. Lord, accept our worship this morning as we come before you. Lord, we thank you because our lives are filled with so many good things. Uh, Each of us this past week have had enough to eat, have had uh, clean, fresh water to drink. All our basic needs in life have been met. Many of us have enjoyed health and strength. Some of us have been healed from the illnesses and suffering that we have had. And many of us have proved that your faithfulness is higher than the clouds. And that your mercies towards us are new every morning. And we thank you. Thank you that many of us have uh, meaningful uh, work to do during the week. Thank you for times of holiday and rest. Thank you for our families. Thank you for more blessings than we can count. Lord, we're thankful, especially this morning, for the safe return of the young people from their holiday we thank you for that week away and for the many prayers that you are answering. We thank you for keeping them safe. We thank you for good friendships and happy times together. Thank you for the leaders and all the energy and the effort that was expended to, to serve in this time. Lord, we, we thank you so much for your word that was clearly taught and we pray that it will have great effect and have been clearly understood. Lord, we thank you that you are not limited by ourselves and our own failures or our attempts, uh, but you indeed even use us. And we pray that you might use the YP holiday to bless the young people and to uh, draw them to you. Lord, we thank you then for your kindness to us in so many different ways. But Lord, we thank you most of all for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into a world that had turned its back on you and shaken its fist in your face. To us, you had mercy. To us, you sent your Son. And Lord, we we are amazed at your amazing grace. And if we are your children, we, we have eternal reasons to thank you for finding us when we were lost, for initiating uh, your work in us, for changing us from the inside bringing us to faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the work of your Holy Spirit within us to change us, to make us more like Christ. Lord, we we pray for that ongoing work, Uh, but we thank you that uh, every part of our life is in your hands. We thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that on the cross... Jesus took our sins and placed them on himself, bringing us forgiveness, making us justified, accounting us righteous in the sight of God. And then Jesus' righteousness placed upon us. Oh Lord, we, we, could, we could sit here all day and uh, never get to the bottom of all that you have done for us as Christians. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. Amen. Well, James Russell's going to come and lead us in our Bible reading now. Thank you, James. We have uh, two readings this morning, and uh, the first reading is from 2 Timothy, and it's chapter 3. And it's verses 10 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 to 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, 
my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. And our second reading is still in 2 Timothy, is chapter 4, verse 6 to 18. So it's chapter 4, verse 6 to 18. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon. For Dimas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in ministry. Tychius, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he is strongly opposed our message. At my first offence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it be not charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, James. Well, we're going to sing our next song. And after that, children, if you'd like to come to the front, Tony's going to do the children's talk for us. But let's sing this uh, hymn. Oh, come, O fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your grace. Let's stand to sing.
Good morning. Now, I hope you're good at guessing. Because I want you to guess something that Jesus said. Now, that's very hard, isn't it? So I'm going to give you some clues. And when you think you've guessed what I'm thinking about, I want you to put your hand up. So, first clue. This was something that Jesus said to some fishermen. Second clue. Jesus said this, something, to a tax collector as well. Third clue. Jesus said this to somebody who was a rich, young ruler. Fourth clue. Two of those groups of people did it. One of them didn't. Any guesses? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Jess has got it even more than I was thinking of. Jesus said, leave everything and follow me. And it was follow me that I was thinking of. So... What happened to the tax collector when he went to follow Jesus? Did he carry on collecting his taxes? No. What about the fishermen? Do you know what the Bible tells us? They left their boats and followed Jesus. Now, I wonder what that means for us today. Because I haven't got Jesus standing next to me, have I? And it's not as though if he walked out that door, you'd be following him like that, is it? I want to tell you a story, a true story, a story about me. It's about me when I was about seven years old. I went to the beach on holiday, and it was a big beach. Now, it was a beach at somewhere called Western Supermare, and that's a very special beach for a sort of bad reason. You'll find out about that soon. So I was, I was on this beach. I was running ahead of mum and dad and the rest of the family, running across the sand. And all of a sudden, I found that the sand had got up to my knees. I was stuck and I was sinking in the sand. And my dad called out to me, Stop! Come back to us. And do you know what? I can't remember if I managed to pull myself out of the sand or whether my dad had to rescue me. But I do know I was really glad to be going back with him and knowing that he would show me the right way to do and keep me safe. Because in Western Superman, they've got something called sinking sand. Do you know what? Some people have even drowned there as they've sunk down in the sand and not been able to get out. So I turned around, went back to my dad and trusted him to look after me. And that's what it's like for us to follow Jesus. We stop going our way, which leads into all sorts of trouble. We turn round and go back to him and trust him to look after us. So let's pray now that Jesus will help us to follow him. Lord God, we thank you that you call all sorts of people to follow you. And Lord, we pray that we'll hear your voice, we'll stop going our own way, We'll turn back, go to you, and trust you to look after us. Amen. Thanks very much. You want to go back to your seats? Thank you, Tony.
Well, let's pray again, shall we? Let's pray. Lord God, we have so much to pray to you for. We do that because we are dependent upon you for our lives, for our existence, for for you to meet our needs. In our prayers, we express that we trust you. In our prayers, we submit to your goodwill for our lives. And so, Lord, help us as we do that this morning. Lord, we pray this morning for the Bastin and Hare family as they uh, look forward to celebrating the wedding of Charlie and Bex on Thursday. We pray that after and during a time of sadness and loss that you'll bring great joy to those families. We pray that it will be a great day of celebration and we pray for Charlie and Becca as they begin their marriage life together. Lord, we ask your great blessing on them for that day and for the days and we pray for many, many years ahead. We pray for those, Lord, who are busy getting ready for camp. Uh, We especially pray for Mark who has uh, led YPs and has this week of getting ready for camp and leading that as well. We ask that you would give him a good rest and also renew him with strength to be thinking about next week. We pray for Luke and Leah and all the other leaders who are working hard to prepare for that time. And again, we pray for your blessing on that. And as we pray for that, Lord, we, we ask that you'll hear prayer for that time. We pray for all the children who are coming. And Lord, we ask that you'll be doing some pre-work within their hearts to receive the truth of your word. The parable you spoke spoke of, of three grounds which ended in disappointment and no growth but we pray that you'd be preparing their hearts to receive the seed of your word that will penetrate deep into their hearts and their lives and will be life-giving and will be fruit-bearing. Lord, we pray that in in these young ones. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for the next generations of Christians, that there will be people who will be built firmly and strongly on the truth of your word. As we read that we are... Uh, increasingly living in days where people will not listen to sound teaching from your word. But will be choosing false teachers to, to say things that please and tickle their ears. And so Lord, as the days around us in this sinful world become worse and worse, help us to stand firm on your truth. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to engage in the Christian battle. Lord, strengthen us, we pray. Help us daily to put on the armour of God that we may faithfully serve you in our generation, in our workplace, in our neighbourhood, within our families. Lord, we pray too for the Lighthouse work coming up in a couple of weeks' time down at Alderbrook. We thank you for the opportunities that we've had each year with that. We pray for those who are leading uh, that time and we ask for great context to be made between children and families in that area with St. Richard's and Forest Fold here. Lord, we pray for Dan and Diane who've recently moved up north. Thank you for uh, providing them with somewhere to live. Lord, we ask that they will settle in well to uh, that new area. We pray especially that they'll find a church which will be a great blessing to them and a place where they can serve you. We commit to you, different of our folk here who have been or are about to go to hospital for different uh, operations and treatments. Lord, we pray that you'll give them your peace. We pray that you'll bring healing for them and uh, alleviate their suffering. Lord, we pray for those who are lonely and sad. We pray for your comfort uh, we pray for your blessing on them. We thank you that you uh, stick closer than a brother. You are a father to those who are fatherless. You are a husband to those who are widows. Lord, we thank you that you are everything to us that we need. And you have always promised to be with us. Lord, we pray further afield and ask uh, this morning for those who are locked up for their faith in different parts of the world. 
We pray for people in North Korea and parts of Africa and China. Locked up and forgotten about by so many, but not forgotten about by you. We pray that in their confinement, that you will help them to make the most of the opportunities they will have to share the gospel with others. We thank you that for many people that is their great concern to spread the good news. We thank you that your word is not locked up. It is not bound by any power on earth, but it is uh, the power that breaks chains, the chains of sin and slavery that we live under before we're saved. So Lord, we pray for your people who are suffering in those parts of the world. Pray for those who are suffering loss through natural disaster. We pray for those who suffer from uh, being uh, marginalised and uh, spotted out for and targeted for persecution. Lord, we pray that in those dark places, your light will shine even brighter. We pray for uh, Reuben, uh, say well out in the Philippines. Thank you that he is uh, getting better from the fever that he's had and the time in hospital. We pray that uh, as you changed his plans... We pray that he'll see you working through that and that you'll bring great encouragement to their efforts there to uh, start to plant a church. Lord, help them in these early days to know your help, uh, to see your hand at work, uh, to be strong and close to the Lord. Lord, we thank you that the gospel is the power of God to salvation uh, for everyone who believes. And Lord, as the gospel is preached today in this country and throughout the world, Lord, we ask that you'll have great purposes to to save people, to rescue people, to change people, to make Christians strong, to encourage them in their faith, to build them up. Lord, we pray that for our young people here who are young Christians. Lord, we, we desperately pray that they will be rooted and grounded in the truth of your word, that you'll give them the courage of Daniel, that you give them the wholeheartedness of David. And Lord, we want them to live useful lives for you. And us who are older in years, in our, whatever we are, in our middle age, in our retirement, in our elderly life, Lord, help us as believers together to work together, to be in unity together, to live the Christian life, to encourage each other, to build one another up as we see the day of your return approaching. Lord, help us to use our short time well for you, to honour you in our lives, we pray. So now, Lord, as we hear your word preached, help John as he preaches, and we pray for Wes as he preaches this evening. Lord, open up our hearts to receive your word. Give us a willingness to uh, be conformed to the truth of your word. We are constantly in need of being changed. We pray in your grace that you would mould us and shape us. May every effort of our lives display the matchless worth of Christ. Oh Lord, we want to live for you. We want more of Jesus to be seen and less of ourselves. And we pray that in his name. Amen. Well, our, our next uh, song sort of really encourages us to engage. Engage in the, the Christian life. Engage with each other to live for God. Engage to work for the spread of the gospel. So let's sing this before John comes to preach. O church, arise and put your armour on. Hear the call of Christ our captain.
Well, people who show interest in Jesus and who find out about the gospel uh, take different pathways forward. Uh, People so enthusiastic about uh, the gospel that they've come to hear about um, and who become committed to telling others and active in Christian life can take different pathways in going forward from that point. And I've been thinking about three people this week who had different pathways going forward. Uh, Last week, for those who were here, we focused on one person who was an older person from the Old Testament, Barzillai. Uh, This week, we're going to be thinking about three people uh, from the New Testament and um, they're younger, or at least two of them at least are younger. I think probably all three of them are younger. Um, all of them had an encouraging start. At one point, the Apostle Paul saw all three of them as encouraging, as fellow Christians, as team members, if you like. All three are mentioned in three letters of the New Testament. Colossians, Philemon, 2 Timothy. And the background to two of them is uh, fleshed out a little bit more in Acts. Timothy, Demas and Mark. And what happened to them? What path did they take? We're going to look at that this morning and um, I hope it will help us to think about our own situation and our own direction forward and it will help us perhaps to think of others too, thoughtfully, prayerfully, about their situation and their route forward. Uh, Maybe you are encouraging. Maybe you are interested. That's great. Maybe through this summer you will become thoughtful about the big issues of life and interested in Jesus. That's excellent to see that happen. Maybe you are somebody who's active, perhaps a leader, perhaps a helper. That's always good to see people involved enthusiastically in Christian service. But what will be the route forward? What will be the route forward? We're going to look at these three. We'll obviously have to be brief because we've got three of them. But I think you'll find it helpful this morning. And firstly, we're going to look at... Um, put it on. Going to look at Timothy. We're going to look at Timothy. Called it still following. So, Timothy was from a mixed background. His mum was a strong Christian, we find that out at the beginning of 2 Timothy, where it says in chapter 1 and verse 5 that Paul was reminded of his sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in his grandma Lois and his mother Eunice, and I'm sure dwells in you also. It doesn't seem as though his dad shared that faith. His dad was from a non-religious background. So he had a bit of a a mixed background, but he had been taught about God's word from a young age, from his mum and from his gran. And what a bonus that was. It's referred to in what we read in chapter 3 and verse 15. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And it made Timothy wise for salvation. The fact that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners was something that he received and accepted personally. And he became a disciple of Jesus. And he was very much appreciated by the the local Christians around him. He was one to watch and encourage, if you like, in terms of his service and development. And Paul himself takes Timothy on his mission trips. And he grows in usefulness. It's a, in a way, he's like a junior partner to the Apostle Paul. And he's such a comfort and he's such a help to Paul. In fact, 
He's often there when Paul is writing his letters in the New Testament. So Colossians is being written and who is looking over the shoulder of Paul? But Timothy is there and perhaps contributing, advising so that it's also from Timothy. He took on different ministry responsibilities and he took an interest in different churches. By the time of 2 Timothy being written, he was at Ephesus and things weren't easy. He had opposition, he, had a, he was a young man, there were temptations, there were difficulties. He also seems to be a, a quieter man, more timid, not of the strongest constitution. He no doubt had his ups and downs, he was imperfect, he had temptations around him, he was still learning but faithfully he followed. Faithfully he followed Jesus and supported the Apostle Paul so that Paul could say of him in chapter 3 and verse 10, the initial verses we had read, you however have followed, in contrast to some others he's just mentioned, you whoever, however have followed my teaching my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. Timothy was still in the race. He was still in the fight. Like Paul who writes to him, who'd experienced God's strengthening through the difficult times, Timothy was still going and he needed to carry on so that in verse 14 of chapter 3, Paul says to him, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And that's what I want for you, and that's what I want for me, to be still continuing in the way of Christ, still trusting, still following, despite the difficulties, a steady faithfulness, a passing on the gospel to others, encouraging others, growing in your faith, keeping to God's word. So those who've learned in Sunday school are still drinking in God's word in their thirties. So that those who come on camp and YPs and who come off of these things wanting to live for Christ are still going strong in the spring. So that those who want to be and are baptised in their teens are proved to be committed, faithful sort of pillars in the life of the church. So that those who are in their twenties are proved to be growing in their usefulness. So that those who are hitting the difficulties of the later years of life prove to be steadfast to the end, still following. Now, I've not taken interest in Formula One for decades because it's on Sunday. But we had a, a, a daughter, one of our daughters with us this week, Gemma, who watches the highlights in midweek. So we all watched it together on Monday evening. It was the French Grand Prix. And many of the cars saw the whole race right through. They had their pit stops, they had their tyre changes, they had their race slows when there were incidents, but they did their laps, uh, they reached the chequered flag, some of them were on the podium, in fact this time there were two Brits on the podium, which is a bit unusual these days. They saw their race through to the end, a bit like... Paul, who writes to Timothy here and says in verse 7 of chapter 4, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Strong until the end. Finishing. Still following. And that's how it was with Timothy, despite all that he'd been through. Timothy, still following. Something to think about there, isn't there? Something to pray through there. Something to want, something to seek God's strength. Still following, despite all that's happened, despite the many years going forward. Timothy. But there's another pathway. And uh, that is the pathway of 
Demas. And Demas can be summarised as sadly deserting. Sadly deserting. Um, Demas, I think, is one of the saddest characters in the Bible. There's not much written about him, but what is written about him is intensely sad. He was seen as a believer. Um, Timothy wasn't the only one there when Colossians was being written by the Apostle Paul. Demas was in the background saying hello as well. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 14 says this. Luke was also there as well. The beloved physician greets you as does Demas. So he was there when Colossians was being written and he passed on his greetings, his wishes to the church at Colossae. He was amongst uh, Christian circles. He was amongst Christian friends. In a letter to Philemon, written about the same time, uh, a little bit more is added. So in Philemon and verse 24, we see uh, this is what's said. Epaphras sends his greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Fellow workers. Demas was a, seen as a Christian, he was passing on his sort of well wishes, his concern for another church, and he's seen as part of the, you know, this is my team, Paul's saying, this is, this is, this is, this is my team around me, and one of them is Demas. And here in 2 Timothy 4, so it seems as though we're, we're darting around, we're just really in three chapters, Colossians 4, 2 Timothy 4, Philemon. And here in 2 Timothy 4, uh, Paul is pretty well alone and he's in prison and a lot of people have moved away from him for different reasons, so he's feeling a sense of the loneliness. Quite a number have moved off. But, and he lists them out in 2 Timothy 4, some of them. But the saddest of them all is Demas, verse 10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas wasn't just on another mission trip. He had deserted Paul. The word is quite strong. He'd abandoned Paul. He'd forsaken Paul. And we're not just to understand it as a personal thing that he didn't get on very well with the apostle. He is abandoning the gospel. He's no longer following Jesus. The Bible calls it apostasy. You can tell that by the explanation. He's deserted in love with this present world or having loved this present world. What's that mean? Well, there's part of this world that we love and enjoy. God has made this world and many things in this world. We've given thanks for some of them in our prayer. But when it talks about the world in this way, having loved this world, it's, it's talking about... Uh, Living life without God. Just living life for pleasure and sort of kicking God off the pitch, if you like. A godless life of pleasure seeking. And so Demas went to Thessalonica and he's not gone there to encourage the church. We know there was a church there. They had a letter written to them in the New Testament times. He's not gone to team up with the church at Thessalonica No, perhaps he wanted to concentrate solely on getting rich, maybe. Perhaps he wanted to live a sexually loose life. Perhaps he wanted to um, live wildly with old buddies in Thessalonica. Perhaps he just wanted to be free of the stigma of being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus and to have that all, to cut cut loose the ties that he felt towards Christ. There were people who loved Jesus and loved his appearing. You have those just before in verse 8. 
to all those who have loved his appearing, who value Jesus and what he's done, esteem him highly, worship him, trust him, follow him, tell others about him, look forward to his coming, have their mind on the future, they love Jesus and the future, but Demas instead has fallen in love with the here and the now. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What was easy and what gave a short-term kick trumped God and the gospel. And he's leaving it behind and heading to the city. Um, A couple of cars in uh, the the highlights of the French Grand Prix, didn't finish the race. A Ferrari uh, lost control and drove into a tyre barrier on lap 18. And it didn't complete any more of the 55 laps of um, the race. In fact, um, out of the 20 starters, uh, four of them were DNF, did not finish. Demas is like that. There's no record of him bouncing back. You wonder if his previous confessions of being a Christian were genuine. Did he just go along with the crowd? Was he just in it for the excitement? Did he ever really repent and believe? A sad warning to us, isn't it? Are you tempted along the pathway of Demas... You've been enthusiastic. Maybe you've been active in Christian service. You're getting enticed to ditch it. The bright lights of the city have their appeal. The short-term freedom of fun and throwing aside Christ and responsibility seem to appeal to you. In danger of taking the pathway. You see, we've got three pathways on that. Picture, took a while to find it, three pathways. You're tempted by the pathway of Demas. Many years back, there was a camp leader who then left his wife for another woman. <coughs> Remember the shock of hearing of a conference speaker many years ago who deserted his wife and had to leave his ministry calling. Remember, a member of the congregation, interested, did exploring Christianity or the equivalent, Bible studies, came to services, and then a, a hobby re-emerged. Nothing wrong with a good hobby, is there? Refreshing, vitalizing to have a right hobby in, it, hobby in its place. But the hobby just seemed to grew, mushroom, crowded out God and any desire to worship and follow pull of the world too great the gospel of everlasting life now fading in the background we need to start warning from this second pathway of Demas Demas sadly deserting here's a third pathway Mark serving again. Mark serving again. Mark, sometimes called John, just to confuse you. Obviously had two names, sometimes called John Mark, where you get both names thrown in. It's likely that he actually saw Jesus. He had, he, he had a really encouraging environment as a young Christian. There were prayer meetings in his house. He was there when there was that amazing answer to prayer of Peter escaping miraculously from prison and turning up at his house. Mark started to be used by Paul and Barnabas. He becomes a sort of ministry assistant, really, a trainee. He's on the first ever missionary journey Mark's part of it. They head off to Cyprus and then they head off to southern Turkey and then this happened in Acts 13 and verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came 
to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. There was obviously more to this than a health issue. You can tell from what happens later, it was seen as a a serious failure. He he dropped out of uh, commitment. It was perhaps too hard. Maybe he missed home. Perhaps he was a bit sulky. He lacked commitment. He lacked faithfulness. He left the team. The team were one short because of Mark. And Paul felt it was especially serious. So when another mission trip is suggested, a couple of chapters later in Acts 15... Uh, and the thought is of going off again, Paul and Barnabas, and, and Barnabas wants to take uh, Mark with them. This is what happens in Acts 15 and verse 15. Acts 15 and verse 37, sorry. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take them with them, one who had withdrawn from them in Paphilia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. There was a Barney with Barnabas over whether Mark should come or not to the mission trip. You see, Paul saw uh, Mark's... um, pulling away as something very serious. You know, faithfulness and reliability are very important um, disciplines, qualities in Christian work. They might not be in the culture around us, but they, they are very significant in Christian service. And we should be, if at all possible, faithful to what we've committed and we've said we do and be reliable. And Paul found it very difficult when Mark wasn't like that, when he left them in southern Turkey and headed back to Jerusalem. So as far as Paul was concerned, Mark was tarnished in his service. He said, no, I'm not on my team, I'm not having Mark again, I don't want any dropouts from my team, thank you very much. I need reliable people. And so Barnabas and him spread and he takes Mark and Paul goes off with Silas. Yet some years later, Mark is back on board. So as Colossians is written, 10 or 15 years later, Colossians is written. And he says in Colossians 4 verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So perhaps Colossians had a little bit of a question mark over this Mark, but people knew that he'd let people down. But now Paul is saying, if when Mark comes to you, receive him, welcome him. I've told you, I'm reassuring you about him. Uh, Mark is back with the team and it's okay. Use him, welcome him. And then in 2 Timothy 4 here, it's a little bit later, Paul wants, is losing a lot of people and he's, he says this in verse 11 about Mark. Get Mark, bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. He's, he's useful, he's very useful. There'd been a change in Mark, there'd been a new way forward. Peter calls him his son in 1 Peter chapter 5. It's the Mark who wrote the Gospels that we have, the Gospel about Jesus. And I think that looking at Mark and his pathway is a great encouragement to us when we mess up and a big help to us when we view and think and pray over others who have messed up. Perhaps you have messed up. Perhaps you've lacked commitment. Perhaps you let others down. Perhaps you've landed others in it. You dropped out far too easily. You took the easy route. Or maybe you said you were a Christian years back, but that all seems to have extinguished. Or, 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 or maybe you were previously interested and reading your Bible and talking to others and maybe coming to services, yet that all seems to be forgotten. And perhaps you think there's no way back. 
There's nothing you can do about it. You're in the backwaters. You're on the rubbish heap. There's no way forward. But Jesus is a restoring saviour. Jesus welcomes the wanderers, those that have failed. Peter failed, David failed, Jonah failed, but were used. And John Mark failed, and yet is serving again. Others in the French Grand Prix went off the track, span round, and were able to get back in the race. Mick Schumacher, son of a former champion that some of us may have heard of, span off. He ended up facing in the wrong direction, yet he rejoined and finished the race. And maybe you've done that. You've you've come off. You've ended up heading in the wrong direction. Like Mark, get back on track. Believe. Serve. Follow. Seek God's forgiveness. Be useful. Perhaps you've heard of Eric Little. He's a bit of a Christian hero in terms of athletics. Long time ago, in a, a race, 99 years ago actually, not this famous Olympic race that he won, but at Stoke, July 1923. It was a, a quarter of a mile race. That's roughly 400 metres, isn't it? And um, he got in a a tangle on the first bend and, and got tripped up and fell and was um, off the track. He got up 30 yards behind um, uh, the leading person and ran the race and won the race off track, back on track, going again. That's the encouragement of Mark serving Again, And maybe you've been in the backwaters and maybe your previous interest seems to have disappeared and maybe you were serving and you failed. And Mark just reminds us, we have a gracious saviour. There is a way back. Things which seem unusable can be used again. I came across this uh, American poem this week. It's slightly quaint, but it's very telling. It's about a an auction of an old violin. Let me read it to you. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidden, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? "'A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a grey-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as harmonious as angels sings. The music ceased and the auctioneer with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what have I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth Swift came the reply, the touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Jesus' kindness in restoring people who are back on track serving again like Mark as we've looked at and his pathway. So three pathways
for those enthusiastic now, those serving now, serving people now, for those who look back at times when they were, Timothy still following, Demas sadly deserting, Mark serving again. Does it help you to think about your position and your direction? Does it help you as you pray for others in their position and thinking about their direction? Let's have a little time for, for thought in relation to those three characters to pray on our own before we sing our last song. Well, let's come to our last song. And our last song is a, a good prayer in the light of the things we've been looking at. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your way, your gracious aid afford. Teach me your way. And there's a particular verse, I'm not sure if it's the second. Can we just go on one? I think it's probably the third. Right, just you see the way it ends. Teach me your way until the race is run, until the journey is done. Until the crown is won, teach me your way. Keep going until the chequered flag is waved. Sings through. us to hear the encouragement and uh, the warning and the welcome of the examples that we have looked at this morning. Do help us to go through life strengthened by you, loving Jesus, seeking your way, we pray. Amen.